Welcome in to a, another episode of Flourish FM. In today's episode, we chatted with Krista Stryker. Krista is an author, she's an entrepreneur, and she's a coach that focuses really on both mental fitness and physical fitness, but really the synergy between those two. She's got a wonderful app by the name of 12 Minute Athlete, which helps you find short, simple, joyful, kind of consistent ways to optimize your physical health but to build mental health and mental fitness skills along the way as well. And all of this is really oriented towards helping people tap into kind of their untapped or hidden potential. So very much in line with flourishing. Johnny, what were some of the highlights of today's conversation for you? Yeah, I love this. There were two particular highlights for me. The first was Krista pointing out the significant benefits for our mental health and our cognition and our mental performance of physical exercise and improving our physical well-being. There's growing research in this area. And the second was the, the stack of practical advice she gave on how to best maintain and build your physical fitness. Tapping into some really important things like your, your intrinsic motivation, what you're passionate about doing, not just doing the thing you don't like doing, you try to repeatedly yeah. like as much as you don't like running, or you don't like doing strength training, you just keep grinding away. Find what you love doing. And she gave some great advice for how you can do that by journaling. For example, journaling before and after workouts about how you feel and, and tapping into the kind of things you love doing as a way to maintain motivation and consistency. How about you? Ditto to all of that. To me, succinctly put, I think she covers the why, the what, and the how of physical fitness and its impact on vitality, well-being, success, you know, all these sorts of things related to flourishing. So it's a good conversation. Here it is with Krista Stryker, the 12-Minute Athlete. We hope you enjoy. Okay, good morning, Krista. Welcome to Flourish FM. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. It's, a, it's our pleasure to have you here. Looking forward to the conversation today. At this point, our, our audience will have sort of heard your bio and, and have a little bit of a sense of who you are and what you do, but I thought we'd kind of open up by just digging into that a little bit more deeply. I think a lot of sort of, let's call it maybe your social media persona and professional persona, 12-minute athlete, sounds very physical, but you also clearly in your training and sort of the work you do, I think, incorporate a lot of what you might call psychological or psychosocial or mental, whatever you want to term it. So just tell us a little bit more. How would you describe what you do? And then I'm going to want to hear a little bit more about why you do it. Yeah, from the very beginning, physical fitness was very mental for me. For most of you probably don't know my background, but I didn't really get into fitness until after college. So before that, I really wasn't athletic at all, although I played a couple of high school sports. And fitness was like my first kind of hint that I might be able to cultivate a growth mindset around something. Before that, I really, I had this belief, Carol Dweck's mindset wasn't out yet. I hadn't read anything about it. I really had this belief though, that the talents and abilities I had, those were it. Like I'm 22 and you know this is as good as it's going to get for me. And there was a taste of fitness showed me that I actually could work towards something and get better at it. And that was just, it seems so simple uh, thinking about it now, but it really just opened up the world for me. And ever since I really have been trying to always push myself 
and figure out ways I can grow. And physical fitness is just, it's such a cool kind of testing ground for mental skills because, you know, you take something like a push up. Like I never could do a push up when I was growing up. I had like super weak little arms and, you know, zero upper body strength. And I worked at it. You know, I, I figured out the steps which sometimes we go from, we think we need to go from like zero to hundred, but no, there are actual like little steps to get there. And I was able to do it. And that was just the coolest thing in the world to me, it gave me so much confidence. And that's really the reason that I started my fitness brand, 12 Minute Athlete, because I was so excited about this possible path to, for myself to grow, but also to help other people grow. And You know, we all know that when we accomplish something in one kind of area of our life, it gives us confidence to try things in other areas. So that was just really the tip of the iceberg for me, fitness. Wow. It's a pathway, right? Pathway to what? Pathway to our our potential. You know, I'm all really my whole life. I've been about like pursuing potential and helping other people pursue theirs and I don't think it's ever capped. I think we can always be growing. But yeah, to me, it's just it's just such a tangible way to to do these things and to test these skills and you know to build all of the psychological qualities that we all want, mental toughness and resilience and grit and all that good stuff. So it's just such a cool testing ground. So yeah, how did you come across growth mindset? The, the book itself or you right. know, the, well I'm just wondering how this big turning point took this sounds like a paradigm shift in your life yeah it was it was definitely a paradigm shift I will say that I, I started to kind of live it before I knew it was a thing so through fitness I was like okay this is this could be a thing I could potentially work hard and get better at these things that I thought I was just terrible at and I do remember, I don't remember how I came across it, but in my mid twenties reading mindset, and it was just like, it put words to these things that I had been experiencing. And I was just like, I told everyone I knew about it. It was like the most exciting thing. Right. So it was actually the book or the TED talk. It wasn't like, I'm imagining like some coach you had or some teacher you had kind of told you that Christy books. It was the book, sorry. Yeah, his books. I wish I had more coaches like that. Now I look back at my life and I, you know, I look at other kids' lives and the coaches and teachers, you know, if they don't help kids kind of cultivate that, it stalls them and like for years and years, you know, again with fitness. Did you guys ever take the, well, you probably didn't in the UK, but in the US we had like the physical fitness or the presidential physical fitness test, right? I failed every single thing, like every year. And I never had one coach tell me like, hey, you could get better at this thing if you actually like work toward it and try. No one ever told me that, you know, and I look at like my, my niece and my nephews and the areas of their life that they don't feel like they're any good at. And I'm just like, I really try to be like, okay, you might not be good at this now, but if you take the steps, put in the work, put in the time, you can get better. But it's really tough when, you know, parents or 
teachers or coaches don't also help with that. It's interesting because it it sounds like the byproduct of engaging in these sort of physical challenges or growth processes, right? Were mental skills, right? And and tools that allowed you to enhance well-being and performance and potential, like you talked about, right? And coming into the conversation, I guess, and part of me expected some of that, but also that you might be interested, and and maybe you are, in the, let's call it, more direct impact on well-being and success when one is physically fit, right? And what that means for resistance and, and hit and cardio and all those sorts of things. I definitely hear the mental skills piece is what I just covered also a big part of it. Is it really kind of a both and, not an either or for you? Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely both. And I mean, the other piece of it is personally, like my my teenage years, I know a lot of people have rough teenage years, but not having a physical outlet, really, I look back and it really affected me in a negative way. When I started to get more physically fit, you know, there's so much research about around this now, how physical fitness like helps us think better, our memory is better, our mood is improved, you know, we have better perspective on life, we can handle life stressors better, on and on and on and on. We didn't really know any of that back then. I don't have either of you heard of the book Spark by the no. author John Rady? That I don't book, know Spark. I think, oh, it's so good. It's from, it's old now, but this was like a a crazy book for the time. I think it's from 2009. It talks all about the benefits of exercise for our brains. And that was just completely new then. Really you say the good. author one more time? John Rady. Yeah, 2008. 2008 it was first published. Yeah, really great book. I had never stumbled upon any of that. We didn't really know much of the the benefit of exercise on the brain then or mood or anything. Of course, I think the last few years with the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of this research has been, there's been even more because we all felt the effects of sitting inside, not moving, not getting any outdoor exercise or fresh air during COVID. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, this is obvious. We need to move to feel better think better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that is the other piece of it. Yes, there are these mental skills, psychological skills that we can build through kind of testing ourselves through fitness. But then there's the whole thing about just how we feel and think and, and the more physiological stuff that we get from exercising. Right. So it sounds like two buckets, right? Mental fitness, physical fitness, they prop, they complement each other. It's a bi-directional relationship, right? So somebody that works with you directly experiences the 12 minute athlete, right? Follows you on social, whatever it might be. What are, what are like the subcomponents? Like how do we know that we are mentally and or physically fit or m- maybe scoreboards, not the right question. Maybe it should be a process question instead of an outcome question. Right. But what what should people be focusing on or what would they experience through your sort of work and programming to enhance both mental and physical fitness? That's a great question. Um, Okay, so I will I will tell you it's it's not there's no easy answer. Biggest thing I will say is it requires a lot of self-awareness. So, so much of this is more individual than 
what we like to think. You know, a lot of people just want to be like, okay, give me an eight week program that will help me feel happier. Well, that's just going to be different for everyone. And we're all going to need different things. And that's your lifestyle and what you're interested in and all sorts of things. Where I would start though, (laughs) is first of all, developing an awareness of how you feel emotionally, mentally, how clear you're thinking, all of that kind of stuff before and after exercise, with and without exercise. And this requires (laughs) self-reflection, not not easy stuff. So what I would normally have people do is have some sort of journal and really try to, to figure out how they feel like literally do a workout and then go sit down afterwards and tell me how their mood was before and how their mood was after and whether they have brain fog during the day, all of these kind of things that we have to become more aware of that. Honestly, uh, most people that's, that's a really tough step. It's like, how do I actually feel? It's the same with how recognizing how food and nutrition affects our bodies. You know, a lot of people just kind of go through their days or just kind of mindlessly eating. They're not paying attention to how they feel either physically or mentally from what they eat. And developing this awareness is, is tough. It takes some time, but it's very, very beneficial. So those, those would be a couple kind of metrics. And as far as the well-being goes, I, I never recommend, what I don't recommend is people go to the gym and just do what they're told to do or what they think they need to do. That's not necessarily, it may make you feel better to to do that, but where I find the most benefits is to find some sort of fitness related activity that actually brings you joy. (laughs) Um, And again, this requires self-reflection. One of the things that I like to get people to do is kind of think back to the activities that they love to do as a kid. So almost all of us, even if we're like adults that go go to an office and aren't moving much during the day now, you know, most of us have activities from when we're a kid that just like we think back and it's like, the most exciting thing. It was so much fun. You know, the playground was so much fun, trampoline, gymnastics, martial arts, whatever it was. You can see that immediately, like people's faces light up, they get lighter, less heavier. And bringing in that kind of feeling, that to me is what I've seen brings the most kind of benefits, most like well-being benefits to people's adult lives. Okay, so could maybe we could start to categorize here. I'd love to yeah. like throw something out to you. Correct me if you think that's it's you know overly simplistic or wrong. It sounds like I'm thinking of Kelly McGonigal, the joy of movement. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like distinguishing between movement and exercise. Right now, exercise generally is movement. Is movement exercise well at levels, right? So it, it sounds like there maybe is a difference between what gets me moving, which generally is good for me, but I also enjoy doing that in and of itself is good. And guess what? I'm more likely to want to do it more because it's fun, right? 
that might be different than here are the very precise beneficial impacts of consistent hit training, consistent resistance training, and your 90 minutes of zone two cardio, right? Are those, are those good buckets, useful buckets to think about movement and exercise in? Those are great buckets. Yeah. I would say the way I like to, I like to start with the first one though, because a lot of people will start with a second and they're like, okay, well, I should go for a run. And they hate running. You know, they're dreading the workout. They're having to make decisions about whether doing they're doing that workout every day, which is terrible. I think we'll probably address that later. And they're not, yeah, they're getting the mental benefits and all the good stuff from it, but it's not something they look forward to. They want it to be over. So if we can get people to start with the first one, find something that they find joy in, what happens eventually, and it takes some time and some figuring out, but like what can happen with the second bucket is that second bucket then can support the first bucket. And then it's just, you know, we all brush our teeth, right? Like we all know, maybe we don't like love doing it. It's not the most exciting thing in the world, but like it benefits our health. We know it's preventative. We know all sorts of good things about it. I was a, my dad was a dentist, so I know way too much about teeth. Um, (laughs) But it's the same with these kind of fitness activities. And you can, with the second bucket that you were talking about. So think about it like this. Like, let's say, I mean, do either of you have sports or activities that you, that you enjoy that fit in that first bucket? Yeah. Tell me. Well, I mean, it's not really a specific sport. It's usually hit or like cross training. Okay, but it's, it's a ma- it's a major part of my life. Yeah, you know, yeah, daily. It's like a I don't I don't have. It's one of my daily rules to to try and do some high intensity exercise every day of some kind. That's fantastic. I'd like to find. I'd like to channel it into a specific sport actually, but I can't. Oh, you're going to talk about this. To... This, is, this is what yeah. likes <laughs> I, I'm too much of a dilettante when it comes to sports. I just try this one, try that one, you know, three months at a time, if that, you know, maybe two weeks at a time. But yeah, just high intensity training. Yeah, cool. How about you, Nick? Yeah, mine's like very utilitarian at this point, right? I was a pretty much lifelong, decent soccer player and could have played collegiately. And then I coached for 15 years. And so I was always on the field, touching the ball, playing with players, getting into scrimmages, you know, those sorts of things. And the byproduct of that was sort of those core three, the resistance, you know, the hit, the cardio, because they would support the joyful activity, right? And the joyful activity isn't really there anymore, and nor do I have is the interest I once did. So subsequently, like, I don't feel as much, I think, fuel or motivation to do the stuff that now I'm only doing it because I know it's good for me. And unfortunately, that's not always enough. Right. No, it's so true. I mean, you know, we do, of course, have different times in our lives that that we're going to feel more excited about something and it'll shift with obligations and priorities and age or whatever it is so that's very natural but as you said like when you had something soccer those other things supported that and it's a for most people it becomes just a much easier way to stay motivated and what I like to do with people is like sometimes people aren't always overly strategic about how to how to structure all this, which I mean, they shouldn't be because very few people have the knowledge 
to do this. So of course it can be overwhelming, but really what you can do is create the most kind of efficient possible routine that covers those bases. So you just know you're getting them done. You're not spending or wasting extra time on them. And then you can put your time into the the activities that you really love. So for example, we haven't talked about my my current sport is jujitsu. So mm-hmm. I spend yeah, we want to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I spend yeah. up to hours and hours every day kind of nerding out on jujitsu techniques. And you know, we do some like there's exercise in it for sure. Like it can be very challenging, but it's mostly my like fun and passion activity. It's a hobby. It's so fun for me. But all the other stuff that I do, the sprints, the the resistance training, all that, I do it on the side and I it's not my main passion right now, but I do it to support that. And I make sure it's efficient so I'm not kind of wasting extra time or energy on that. And that's how I structure it. And that's typically how I uh, recommend people structure it. So there's there's stacks of practical advice in here. I want to go rewind a bit on those things. Oh, this no, this is great. <laughs> this is the first podcast episode where we've dug in anywhere near this deep of physical exercise. So and, um, no, we, we. I think we really should pick pick your brains thoroughly about this. So <laughs> the journaling piece is is the first thing I want to ask a bit more about because I haven't heard about this before, or even to be honest, thought about this before. I mean, you see people journaling in the gym, but I assume. <laughs> perhaps I assume wrong because maybe they've taken Krista Stryker's training and they're actually doing journal but I assume they're just writing down like their progress like okay I've progressed to this weight on the dumbbells for this exercise I'm doing this many more reps or this many more sets or whatever compared to yesterday I mean Tim Ferriss keeps a very extremely detailed blog of all his workouts he has them for years right and I, I assume I, I don't know if he journals maybe he does but I assume people are doing this kind of thing keeping a record what they did and maybe their nutrition how much they slept stuff but it sounds like you're recommending something something much more personal like describe what you what should a person or what do you recommend a person journal about before and after you i think you describe sort of some somatic aspects of how you feel but it's not just that it sounds emotional like what you're excited about yeah my answer to everything is going to be it depends it depends on your goals what are you trying to get out of it is your goal to create a consistent exercise routine that's a very different goal than I want to be a high level jujitsu athlete. You know, they're just going to be super different. Your focus will be different with the, like, let's say the, your, your goal is the the first one. You, you really want to just like, make sure you're consistent and your goal is longevity, health span, um, any of this, this kind of stuff. What I would recommend then is because likely with that goal, you're struggling with some motivation. And so you need to kind of find that, dig dig deep to find that why, that why that can keep you going on days when you're not just feeling like you want to, to go to the gym or to the park or whatever. Um, and so that's when you know, our, our emotional health is very important to us with our mental health, all of this stuff. And so starting to understand how our mental health is related to our physical health can be 
really, really helpful with this kind of stuff. I've seen people who never exercised start to connect it. And then from that connection, actually start to be consistent with exercise for the first time in their lives. And it's really cool. So again, with that, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. You know, we all, we have 1000 things or more on our to-do lists every day and meditation, all these, everything that people are always doing or trying to do in their days. So I don't want to say, okay, you need to add a half an hour to journal about your exercise and mental health, but just jotting down a few notes of like, okay, I went into this workout today and I really didn't want to be there. (laughs) I felt my mind was kind of foggy and I just felt kind of grumpy, like just a couple of sentences, bullet points, whatever. And then later on after the workout, it doesn't have to be immediately after it could be a couple hours or, you know, even that night, just tune in and pay attention to if there was a shift. 99% of the time there will be. (laughs) Almost everyone goes into a workout not feeling great and they, they come out of it and they say they feel better. Starting to pay attention to that can then, you know, down the road when you really, really don't want to work out and you're kind of wondering why am I torturing myself? Why am I doing this? Like looking back at those, those notes that you took that like, oh my gosh, every single time I felt like this and I made it to the workout, I felt better afterward. It can just, just make all the difference. Hi friends, Nick here with just a brief interlude to share with you an update on one of our newest partnerships with the Anti-Fragile Academy. Throughout John and I's conversations with many, if not most of our guests, one thing has been made really clear. In order for people to flourish, thrive, experience the good life, they need to develop the capacity to not only navigate and endure, but ideally grow from the bad, grow from unpleasant experiences. That's why we're thrilled to be partnering with our newest sponsor, the Anti-Fragile Academy, an organization that I co-founded with Dr. Adam Wright, Director of Mental Performance for the Washington Nationals. At the Anti-Fragile Academy, we work with adolescent athletes, executives, and educators to help them understand some of the science, not just of optimal performance, but of well-being and anti-fragility. The ability not only to endure and bounce back from unpleasantness, but to actually come back stronger, to grow from it. Between Adam and I, we've worked with Fortune 100 companies, Inc. 300 executives, Division I programs, and elite professional athletes and Olympians from all over the world. To find out more about how you can leverage anti-fragility training, check out our website at theantifragileacademy.com. I hear like pre and post, right? So start with motivation, start with joy, start with awareness, right? What do I enjoy doing? And oh, by the way, after which activities do I feel better? Yeah. To a certain extent, Mm -hmm. right? So, so then it, you know, and I think you've tapped into this a little bit already, but like, let's just mention it or name it more explicitly, which is consistency. And so again, I think that joy piece comes up, right. That I feel better piece comes up, but you know, we've also talked about having it oriented towards play 
But in, I think, some of our cases, a lot of times it's actually oriented towards goals. And I'm wondering if you think that's a really important piece of it, not not just the intrinsic joy of it, but do you see, do you think an extrinsic sort of a sense of achievement, reward satisfaction is an important part or can be really useful as a tool in keeping people on that path they want to be on? I think that it can be so useful. I also recognize that we are all built a little bit differently. I am extremely like goal oriented. I need to have very, very specific goals that I'm working toward or I get a little lost. And I feel, I feel a little lost. I feel like I'm like, just not, I just need something like concrete to go toward. A lot of people are like that, maybe not as extreme as I am. So <laughs> the the kind of goals that I, well, I guess the the ways that I, types of motivation, I guess. So goals, so those would be, I don't know, I like to say like performance goals or skill building goals. So this would be, you know, either you're in the gym, you're trying to get a new PR on a a lift you're doing, or you're trying to learn a skill, like a handstand, something I got really obsessed with for a long time. Yep. Learn a new sport, you know, things like those. Those are all goals and you can, you know, break them down much more than that, of course, and you should. But, and then the other type of thing I kind of, uh, the other type of goal is like, I call them adventure goals. So not everyone cares about like how much they're lifting in the gym. They're kind of just doing it for maintenance or long-term health. But like the idea of climbing some mountain somewhere is really exciting. And that can be a really good concrete type of thing to work towards. Same with, I'm not a runner. I don't really like understand long distance running, but having something like a half marathon or marathon or ultra marathon, if you like that kind of thing, (laughs) <laughs> somehow someone does David Goggins loves it but if you have that on the calendar you know that's coming up like you are going to work harder because of it and it's just it's so much more motivating so this is all different than having just appearance related goals I I know that they are the least motivating goals I know there's some research on this too just kind of having weight loss or vague appearance related goals they're just not that motivating especially in the moment you know because that causes us we have to think of our future selves and that can be really hard to do when there's a bunch of homemade cookies sitting in front of us having these more kind of performance oriented goals or learning goals are just so much more motivating for everyone i've i've never seen this fail yeah, well, let's let's explore that a little further. I think this is really useful advice. How the types of things that motivate a person can help them gain more consistency with their fitness. 100%. So I take it, I take it your your point is that intrinsic motivation is more powerful driver than it comes from. I do think that. Yeah. So one example then would be setting yourself challenges, but the challenge would have to be some, again, coming from some desire inside from the intrinsic right it's not that you're getting a trophy for winning this race it's more you want to prove to yourself that you could say overcome some limiting belief like i used to think i couldn't do this in your case krista when you know before you got into fitness you're only 20s maybe 
it came from a place of intrinsic motivation for you. Is this is there a personal element to this as well? Is that what really got you into into fitness? Yes, I mean, I like I mentioned earlier, I I I didn't believe I could do anything physical. I I come from an athletic family. My my dad is seventy three, seventy four. I, I forget at this point. He plays. I believe he plays pickleball now. Everyone does, but he skis constantly he's mountain bikes he paddle boards he I don't know does all sorts of things and it's so cool and I I just seriously thought I didn't have an athletic gene in my body like I had no belief that I could do anything athletically and when I got kind of just a taste of being able to do this this kind of thing and get better it just, I don't know, it, it opened up my whole world. And it has the entire time, every single challenge I've taken on, it's always to prove to myself that I can. I mean, external recognition is cool and all. Like, I've won some jujitsu competitions, and that's awesome. Like, it's really fun to win. I never got any medals. I have all these medals sitting on my kitchen counter right now. And that's just really cool. But like, the cooler thing is that I did this thing that I never thought I'd be able to do. And I just, it's just the best feeling. So kind of advice for list, any listeners out there who are preparing for their first Ironman, <laughs> or, their first, or their first marathon, or their first ultra, yeah. whatever it might be, would be if they really want to maintain consistency in their preparation for this and get the most out of it, would be to search for the reasons they want to do it. That's proving something to themselves rather than coming first in the race as an extrinsic achievement, as it were. Coming first in the race would be a great hole to have as long as you're trying to prove to yourself you're capable of doing this thing rather than you want the trophy at the end. Absolutely. And and that's where the really getting clear on your personal goals is really important because a lot of people will do something like set out to run a marathon, which is a cool goal. Like, don't get me wrong. But some of those people hate running <laughs> and like every single run is torture. And sometimes I talk to talk to them like and bring up other other options. You know, there's endless amount of sports and activities in the world right now. And we we are really lucky to live in a time when we can take lessons, we can take adult classes and almost anything and everything. And so some people get more excited about the idea of, I don't know, skateboarding and doing some crazy jump, rock climbing, whatever it is, learning to surf and picking a a specific wave you want to surf on, that kind of thing, versus doing this thing they've been told is cool to do, like that they should feel great about running a marathon. You can feel great about it, but you could also pick something that like lights you up more. <laughs> That's what I would. And yeah, and come back full circle and I'll, I'll then be quiet because I'm hot. <laughs> Asking too many this is just fascinating. I take it this is where the journaling also plays a really important role, right? For the person trying to identify what intrinsically motivates. And this is all like basic goal setting that we all learn in psychology, but like what I find is not everyone applies it to all areas of life. And this is, it's pretty easy once you learn this stuff to apply this to fitness as well. 
And then it just all becomes so much more fun. <laughs> so stepping aside from motivation, consistency, the joy piece, there's that other bucket, right? Which is just the stuff we know is really good for our vitality, our health, our longevity, our mental health as well. Can you break down, I mean, we've, we've mentioned, I think, three of them already, but kind of break down what you think those buckets are and just tell the audience a little bit, just what does this mean? What does this look like? How can you kind of do it in a really simple way? You know, how much should you be getting each week? Those sorts of things. Real practical. Yeah. Okay. So three buckets. So first bucket, super important is resistance training. And, but that can mean anything. So people think that it means going to the gym and lifting weights. It doesn't have to. It can mean body weight training for the most part. And that's what I did. I did calisthenics kind of gymnastics training for years and years before I really did much anything with weights. And you know, people think there's it's hard to get strong or fit that way, but look at gymnasts. Gymnasts mostly use their own body weight and they're some of the strongest athletes in the world. So what I would recommend with resistance training is, first of all, you need people, everyone needs to do some form of resistance training at least twice a week. If you're doing a full body workout, you can do it twice a week. If you want to do it more often, you know, rest is important. People who I, I train at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, California. So there's a lot of bodybuilders there. And bodybuilders want to work all sorts of specific little muscles to look a certain way. And so they're doing what is called splits, which means, you know, they might do an upper body day and a lower body day. All of that is fine. If that if that's the way you like to train, if you want to do it more often, that's totally cool. If you want to just kind of like, get it done and not have to think about it doing two or three full body days where you're kind of working every muscle group is really efficient to do and again you know body weight dumbbells kettlebells sure, sure. anything like find the thing that at least gives you a little joy it doesn't all have to be fun but Personally, I prefer kettlebells over barbells. I, you know, I just enjoy it more and it, it kind of works with my style of training more. So I do that. But some people love Olympic lifting and that's awesome. Like kind of follow your curiosities, experiment a little bit, see what feels cool. If, it, if, if you, anything makes you feel extra strong, like of follow that path like figure out what you like there but at least two or three times a week 45 minutes to an hour it's pretty simple get it done cool (laughs) Cool. bucket two is some sort of interval training i love this stuff my my whole kind of 12-minute athlete brand was built on this short tough workouts so again, this can mean so many things. It can mean sprints. I love sprinting. I once or twice a week, I'll go to the park or the track, just do like 10 sprints, you know, all out 80 to 90%. And of course there's warm up and stuff in there, but then you're done. It's really hard, but it's really short. Same kind of thing can be done 
You can you do bike sprints, you can swim, you could do burpees, you could do all sorts of plyometrics, which means jumping exercises, which is just, again, it's tough and it's short. If it's more than a 20 minute workout, you're no longer doing an interval workout. We can only sprint or do hard things for a really short amount of time. So keep that in mind when you're going to a 60 minute workout class that said it's, says it's hit. It's not going to be the same thing. It's not bad. It's just not the same thing. So a couple times a week, do some sort of hard but short type of exercise. So that's that's about it really elevating the heart rate right quickly and then not necessarily giving it a ton of time to recover. Exactly. Yeah. And again, there's just there's so many options. You can run hill sprints, all sorts of things. So with I, I guess my word I want to make clear is within these buckets, there's ways to make them a little more enjoyable depending on what you enjoy. So yeah, resistance training for some people is not the most fun thing in the world, but if they find that they like body weight stuff over whatever else it is, like follow that and kind of get more into that versus doing what you think you need to do. That's for sure with the last bucket. So the the kind of zone two cardio where you're moving, your heart rate is up, but you're kind of at a pace where you could have a conversation is kind of the way that we like to put it. Most people think of running. To be honest, not everyone should be running. Not everyone has very good form <laughs> running. Most of us have been have not been taught to run. We just run and, you know, maybe our knees hurt or people get injured a lot running, actually. So running is is one for sure. If you enjoy running, cool. But there's so many other things. There's, again, there's biking, there's swimming, there's just kind of general sports that you could go play. I mean, soccer is an amazing way to run, but also have fun while you're doing it. All sorts of things like that. So the the zone two cardio can really, that bucket can be like full of options. And it can be way more fun than, especially, I mean, when I was first starting out in fitness, I really thought I had to run or I had to be on the elliptical machine for like 45 minutes. And I just dreaded those workouts so much. So if you really, really find yourself dreading a workout, like find something else. There are other things to do. Great. Good. Yeah, it's good synopsis. Yeah, great. Yeah, great yeah. Synopsis. So, Thank you. So Krista, since, since you said that 20 minutes is kind of a limit for a high intensity workout, is that... Is that why you have a 12, your whole brand is the 12 minutes? I think is 12 minutes the optimal amount for high intensity training. I mean, you know, I like the number 12, but but it really oh, is okay. between like 10 and 10 and 15 minutes. Much past that, you're really not going to be able to work at as hard of a pace. So that's just something to keep in mind. Is there a minimum? Is 10 the threshold? There's actually a four-minute workout called a Tabata workout. That is brutal. <laughs> so that's where, is that where you go a certain amount and then you increase it each time, like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds? No, that's, um, 
That's kind of like a ladder. That's cool, though. I love. Oh that. right, okay. Really fun. And it's me trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about, right? So what is it about? What is it about the workout? Tabata workout is a four minute workout, and it's twenty seconds of work and ten seconds off. But the twenty seconds of work are just as much as you can give. It is all out, and they are brutal. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, at the start of this, we talked about the research on the growing research on how physical exercise is really good for mental well-being. So mm. I'll also just mention for the audience here some citations because I've actually been writing on this recently. So there's studies that show it's good for uh, the physical exercise can positively impact academic performance, memory, cognition, alertness, and attention. But my question is, do you focus on high-intensity training because that's particularly good for learning, cognition, mental health more so than well low intensity exercise for example I mean I'll be honest like I focus on it because I enjoy it more (laughs) right okay for me it's much more fun than the lower intensity exercise I like the kind of adrenaline rush that I get from running sprints or doing hard things like jujitsu it's definitely good for us but so is the other so it's hard. I don't actually know. I don't know if you've seen it. If the research right now shows that one is better for our kind of mental performance than the other. I'm not. I know there's just been so much more research on all of this in the last few years, last decade or two. Yeah, I'm not sure where it's at right now. I'm not either. I think that would depend on how you define mental performance, right? Yeah. How you quantify, you know, probably different zones, different amounts of times that, you know, I think it would vary. Like just look at the mindset stuff and the, and the field of like dieting and nutrition and how variable that is from person to person. Right. But so my somewhat educated hypothesis would be, you know, that's highly variable. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's different too. Like, outdoor exercise can have added benefits and all stuff so yep Yep. and this is something where you tune into your own body and your own feelings and and see but that would be interesting to know where the research is at right now so that the tune in piece like kind of come in full circle here and as we start to wrap we'll take you to our our signature question our flourishing question and and we're going to try to pin you down and ask you to to tell our audience if there's one thing Right. One thing that'll help them feel better, perform better, flourish. Right. And it comes to, you know, kind of the let's call it more on the physical fitness side. You do a lot of different things, but we spend a lot of time talking about the physical piece. Is it just what you've already said, which is start with awareness? How do you feel before? How do you feel after? Would you take them a different direction for a first step? For a first step? No, that would be my first step for sure. It's it's just hard to explain how much that that awareness building will help with everything. It helps in knowing what things make you feel a certain way, what things light you up, all sorts of things. And uh, most of us are not aware. So it takes some time to build. And we might even not have the language at first, but stick with it and it gets better. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Cool. Okay. Well, Chris, Chris, it's been a real pleasure. I mean, this is, has been a great conversation, very informative. Like John said, you know, we've been meaning to try to get down this path. It's such an important part of well-being and flourishing. We, we just haven't done it yet. So we're glad to do it now. Tell people where they can find you, follow you, engage with you, just interact with you more. 
Yeah, you can find me everywhere online. I'm either Chris Stryker or 12 Minute Athlete is is kind of it's very easily Googleable <laughs> these days. We'll put links in the notes as well for everybody, of course. Yeah, this has been really fun nerding out about this. <laughs> Thank you. And it's an app, isn't it? 12 Minute Athlete is an app people can download. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there is an app and there are Really tough, but uh, short, fun. I think they're fun, fun workouts uh, that will help support any anything you're doing in life, and they're really great for travel as well. So, yeah, like the four minute Tabata, like that's that's going to be a game changer. Can't wait to try that. Yeah, it's a try and let me know how it is. It's it's hard. <laughs> I mean, it it's hard, but it's four minutes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, all this stuff. Like that's the thing. It's hard, but like that's you know building up that that mental toughness and realizing we can do hard things and especially when it's short. Cool. Great. Well, Krista, thanks again for taking the time and sharing your expertise. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Flourish FM. We hope you enjoyed the content. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast and on all major social media platforms. And if you visit our website, flourishfmpodcast.com, you can sign up to our newsletter. We send out a weekly newsletter. First newsletter of every month, we share a long-form blog. And every newsletter, every week, we share highlights from our previous episodes. Please hit subscribe on our website.